And welcome to the Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan, along with uh, Peter Evers, and a lot to discuss on the podcast today. We want to talk about uh, mental health once again in the COVID environment. We feel it's an important topic as we uh, gear up for our uh, Mental Health Awareness Month and Mental Health Matters Zoom event, which is coming up. Time to talk, time to listen. We're so excited about that. You can go to the Bamsey Facebook page, and registration for that event is now live at our uh, Bamsey Facebook page. Welcome in right now, Peter Evers. Peter, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Chris. How are you doing? Great. Uh, great to be with you. And uh, it's been a major challenge in the Brockton community and surrounding communities uh, to get individuals um, vaccinated. And Revere recently set a goal of getting 75% of uh, their town vaccinated. They're currently at about 23%. Um, and that 20 to 25 percent number seems to be you know, pretty consistent in the you know, surrounding area. And we're going to hear from Red Sox manager Alex Cora in just a little bit as the Red Sox and Major League Baseball have said that if 85 percent of um, the individuals are vaccinated on the team and in their support staff, um, they're going to do away with protocols, mask wearing and things of that nature, which may be an interesting you know, best practice for other um, businesses and entities to follow. But what have, have you noticed in regards to you know, the challenges of getting individuals uh, vaccinated? Well, I think, uh, thanks, Chris. It's a really good topic to talk about. Um, and I know we've had a lot of listening sessions where we've had these conversations. And I guess I would also I would begin this uh, conversation by saying that I was out in one program, uh, one of our resi programs last week or the week before, and uh, I inadvertently asked a direct question, which I shouldn't have done, actually, on reflection. I, I just said, so who's been vaccinated? And people got a little bit defensive about that. And I thought that, that, was, that wasn't as sensitive as perhaps I should have been in that regard, because I know that everybody has an, uh, an opinion about the vaccination, and everybody comes at it from uh, cultural differences, um, from uh, ethnic group uh, interests. And we've got to be able to sort of take all of those opinions uh, into account. Um, and this person said to me, why are you going to make me stick something in my arm? And I said, that is the last thing that I'm going to do because A, I can't do it. It would be wrong to ask somebody to do something, you know, which would be putting something unknown into their body. But what we can do is have a great conversation about the benefits of doing that and recognize some of the the risks to do that. Because, you know, there has been some a lot of talk recently about the J&J &J vax and, and how six people have developed blood clots. That's real. And that needs to be um, contemplated. It also needs to be stacked up in terms of what the risks of not being vaccinated are. You know, there's a there's a relativism about all the decisions that we make, right, in uh, in our lives. Um, and but we just have to have the conversation about it. Um, uh, Dr. Fauci was on the um, on the radio the other day, uh, and he was saying, "Don't get so hooked up about this percentage of people for herd immunity. The closer we can get to it." the better off as a country we are. And in some ways, that's a little bit more relaxing to people. Um, and as you go around the organization and the community and ask people about vaccinations, so some people are really worried for really good reasons because some groups have been treated differently in the medical world uh, than others. Uh, and we have to take that into account. But you know what I'm finding is that people 
are beginning to say, okay, we've seen the first wave of people getting vaccinated. We've seen the benefit of it in terms of the lower infection rates. You know, I think we had 33,000 in Massachusetts people with uh, with COVID yesterday, which is a low number compared to where we've been. There's worry about a surge. There's worry about a uh, UK variant, uh, which is now um, the most uh, infectious uh, strain of COVID. So the idea of getting vaccinated is protective uh, about getting a serious case of COVID. And I think people are saying, okay, so I've seen a group of people come through and they, they seem okay. And that's maybe time for me to start thinking about that. So now is not the time to take the foot off the pedal about having conversations about the benefits of the uh, of the vaccine. Now is the time to keep talking about it because the pe- more and more people are saying, okay, time to time to give it a go. Yeah, this is an, an integral uh, time period. And it's also, as you referenced, um, it can be a very difficult conversation when you think about, you know, who you're going to spend time with when you're going to relatives' houses, um, who your kids are going to, you know, to, to play with, et cetera. Do you go and ask, hey, so what's your family's feelings about vaccination? You know, um, particularly since kids can't get vaccinated at this point in time, but there can be, you know, transmission Um, obviously that occurs amongst uh, kids. Um, All these are very real conversations and having a firm position on it one way or another, I don't think necessarily uh, benefits things. I think that um, any decision in life is, you know, kind of a risk reward analysis where you're going to determine the positives and the the negatives. And you have to um, take into account, account that there is a a risk in taking an experimental vaccine, right? Um, But we are led to believe, and the information indicates that um, there is more of a reward for that in regards to our short-term and uh, long-term health as a community. So I think that you have to be honest about that. And this clip from Alex Cora, when I asked him about the Red Sox um, and their immunization process as things opened up for you know, th- that population, uh, you know, general population in Massachusetts just over the last week. And um, you know, a, a baseball clubhouse is very much a, a melting pot with individuals with different perspectives from different countries, um, different backgrounds, all coming together. And Cora, uh, who is a Puerto Rican, um, said that you know, he was going to get vaccinated, has gotten both shots, um, and has talked basically kind of as a father figure to the guys around the team about it. But many of them have had uh, objections, and uh, we talked about that. Alex, wanted to ask you about the, the vaccine and you know, just what have been kind of the nature of the conversations with you and, and the players, and have there been any you know, specific objections that you've had to to overcome and just kind of is there what's the ebb and flow been like in those in those conversations i'm not i'm not going to get into specifics but there were a lot of good questions you know um we got you know guys that have families they have kids already from guys that are just you know trying to to have you know to have kids you know so there's a lot of good questions and we just provided them with people that are experts on this and you know they had they had answers we also told them that you know i know sometimes it's hard to 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 go into specifics in a groups uh in a group so you know just give the doctors a call whatever you need so uh it was actually very eye-opening it was very instructive and uh you know for those who had 
you know, doubts or, 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 or still, you know, have questions at that point, it was very important for the organization to do this. This is not about just get the vaccine so we can have, you know, benefits in the dugout in the clubhouse, you know, this is more about off the field stuff. And uh, I'm glad that we, we provided them with that, that, you know, that help. And hopefully, you know, they, they make the decisions that obviously, you know, is going to help everybody, not only here, but around, around the area, your family, and, and obviously dealing with the pandemic. So it's interesting, you know, Cora talking about, didn't want to get into specifics about what their objections were, but spoke, you know, generally about you know, fertility and things of, of that nature um, and some of the concerns that the uh, the Red Sox players had as they try to hit a 85% threshold, which will allow for them to congregate and uh, discuss and hang out and, and reduce uh, protocols on masks and um, change some of the testing apparatus. Peter, what do you think about that in terms of a, you know, a best practice where if you hit a certain number, um, you know, you uh, can change protocols and guidelines from within an organization up in New Hampshire, uh, the governor has um, lifted the mask mandate and has uh, given businesses until May the 7th, um, you know, time to determine what their best practices are going to be moving forward. And that can be anything from opening at 100 percent capacity with no masks to you know, doing the same thing you're doing now. Yeah, I think it's this is the critical piece to this. And I would say, and we we have a guest today on the podcast, um, Charles, uh, Charles Sodavio, who is from our clinic. And, you know, we were just talking a little bit about um, how the last year has been in isolation and not being in the workplace and working from home. And, and we'll have a time to talk about that in a minute. But it just made me think that, you know, there is always peril in any decision that you make, right? So if you continue to keep people locked up, you know, if you keep, if you continue to separate families, you know, I had a conversation with two people today who said that they hadn't seen their mom um, for over a year. Same with me. I, I haven't either. And then everybody listening to this is probably thinking about the same things. There is a, there's a cost to that. And so hopefully Charles and I will be able to talk about that a little bit. So we have to measure that up against how how well can we do to get to that number, Chris? I don't I don't want to say we have a number we want to get to, but we need to keep striving toward that so that we have more and more people um, uh, immunized and and so we keep more and more people healthy. I don't think there's any point in us saying oh we're we're going to go to eighty percent or seventy five percent, but I will tell you that our efforts are progressively working with our staff. We have 95, 96% of all the people we have in in residential care we provide services for, or 96% of those people are vaccinated, double vaccinated. That's excellent. Uh, and people are beginning to see the benefit of that. So it's, it's a crawl towards the highest number that we can get. Uh, and we uh, make decisions with CDC information, state information to say, well, how many people can we have in a room now? Are we safe to move to um, three feet, which will be the next from six feet? Um, but and also importantly, you know, this disease is not linear, right? There, there are surges and then there are fall offs, and we may well have to walk some of that stuff back. Uh, all I'm saying, I think, is we just have to be flexible as we as we look at the next six months to a year. 
Well, with that, I think we should bring Charles into the conversation. So Charles Sotovia, welcome to the podcast. Um, and we really appreciate you uh, carving out some time from your ridiculously busy schedule. I know that we've been trying to do this for a week and you've been so busy. So I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, Charles, I think you have a unique, you and your colleagues at the clinic have a unique perspective on this on this past year. And what interested me uh, was that we barely talked about mental health at the beginning of COVID. It was all about keeping people alive, actually, if you think about it. But gradually, as we got six months in, seven months in, eight months in, what people were beginning to say, hold on, hold on a minute, there's a, a mental health toll uh, that is going on here that is perhaps best described as long haul symptoms of COVID. Because I think about kids who haven't been in school, who haven't been with their um, with their uh, classmates, families sort of have been rent asunder that hasn't seen each other for a year. And then I think about the people who have been working from home and trying desperately to sort of balance uh, their life with their kids and their homes with the work that they're doing. There isn't that break uh, for folks like you, Charles, to say, okay, I'm done at the office. I'm going to decompress in the car. And I've, you know, I've I, I realize how important that decompressing is now that you know you you not you don't have that. So how's it been? I mean, let's start with a broad question, Charles. What? How have you done? How are you doing now? And how were you throughout the whole um, the pandemic? Well, initially for me, um, just with the the way the situation played out in the beginning. Um, at the clinic, we were able to to continue our services um with, through telehealth and we really didn't stop or interrupt any of our services so we were just like we were just rolling with the punches so to speak and um you know with myself and just generally speaking at the clinic our staff were able to to just adapt and adjust work from home um but then i noticed with myself and with my colleagues like over time um while being very fortunate in our position in the field to continue to work and to serve, um, it did it did come at a cost. Um, you know, for for us as mental health workers in the field, you know, working from home for me personally, um, it got to a point where it almost felt like a fatigue of just constantly being in front of a computer screen, going on Zoom meetings. While it's it's great that we can remain connected with the people we serve in that way, it it, it like I said, it comes at a cost. Where like, for example, my eyes are just completely strained. Um, but like towards the tail end of my night, it's like I'm ready to shut off the computer and <laughs> and just take a, a long break um, or just end my night at that point. Um, another. Another strain that I experienced was just being physically separated from from my colleagues. Um, a lot of my colleagues I haven't seen them in in person for over a year, um, and so that element is missing. That I guess maybe some things that I or other people might may take for granted, like a simple you know hello, a smile. Um, a brief conversation, small talk. Um, I think that's really valuable. 
more so uh, now that I'm realizing because it's it's been missing. Um, but in the end, I, at least right now, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling hopeful, um, rejuvenated, having support from my colleagues, uh, my supervisor, and and just knowing that this is temporary, this is gonna pass. We're going through stages of change, um, transitioning, and and really just staying flexible. Like you mentioned, Peter, things might change, and we have to be ready to to either go backwards um, if anything changes, because we, we we still don't know. But I feel like. I feel like at least in my position and with the clinic and with the agency, like we're, we're in that process and we're, we're moving forward. And so that gives me hope. Yeah. I've yeah. Said, said before, yeah. I mean, COVID is so much of a mental battle and it is, you know, what is it around? Is it, is it here? Did I, did I, you know, uh, use my hand sanitizer enough? Um, should I go see my parents? Should I not go see my parents? How am I going to feel if I go out and you know go to a restaurant? Um, all of these different mental uh, manifestations and exercises that we you know put ourselves through, and you know it's gotten to a point for for many individuals where the risk reward analysis is uh, no longer in favor of, you know, just being as careful as possible because of the effect that it's having cumulatively on them in regards to their mental health. Now, to each person, that's different. To some, we've talked, people have talked about how this is going to be like the roaring 20s when we come out of this. Everybody's going to want to do everything to an excess. To other people, the excess is going to be spending, you know, 45 minutes in the craft store as opposed to 30 minutes in the craft store before. I mean, it's going to be different variations of that. And some, um, you know, have gotten the vaccine and uh, both doses and are still extremely hesitant to do anything because they're, o- they're only 90% protected and there's a 10% chance that something could happen. Um, so it continues to be this mental battle. And then the next piece will be when people come back to work, oh, I didn't, I actually kind of enjoyed when I was at home and I didn't have to deal with everybody. <laughs> and so this this has more than anything else, this has been a uh, a mental health strain and Charles what have you noticed in in that realm and how it's you know potentially changed people um that you're around or has you know put a microscope on some different aspects of mental health challenges yeah absolutely it's it's some trends that i've i've noticed is um like mental health like issues or symptoms really escalating and and people finding that struggle um trying to live in this age of the pandemic and trying to live safely um and wisely it's 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 anxiety provoking and it brings out a lot of fear and uncertainty and and with that it can elevate you know mental health issues um maybe some family issues that have been ongoing. And then you think about like the, um, the stressor of perhaps losing a job or someone passing away, it just compounds on top of everything that's going on in one's life. Um, and so 
at the clinic, there's been there's been periods where we had an influx of, of referrals being made and a wait list just really growing um, quite large. And so there is there is definitely a growing need, um, especially as time progressed. We've seen like this influx of people, you know, looking for services, looking for help. And and it's tough because when t as time progresses, you know, things can change. People can lose their jobs over time. They had this period of benefits, you know, unemployment benefits running out. Um, and then the, the school piece as well, like kids not being able to go to school and then parents, families have to figure out what do we do for childcare? How do we work? And it, it can manifest into a lot of, a lot of problems, a lot of stress and that, that can overwhelm anybody, whether you have mental health conditions or not. Yeah, I think, you know, just piggybacking on that, Charles, I think, you know, I remember when this whole thing started and there was this idea of, you know, we can get through this. It's a crisis. It's manageable. But as it's dragged on and on, that's when those things have begun to start. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> they told me it'd be over by Christmas and it wasn't. And we've had surge after surge. Do you... Um, I mean, I, I do think that there's, that our communities are going to need more care, are going to need more um, uh, guidance and therapy through this. I think there's going to be a great strain on um, providers like yourself in terms of need out there. Um, I, and I worry about the work-life balance of the clinicians who are doing that work because it's really tough work to begin with. To be able to manage all of that um, grief and loss and uh, unhappiness, but then when you overlay that on what our clinicians are dealing with, which is you know similar situations of you know being in the house all day, managing daycare issues, um, you know it's it, it it really is important that you keep together and support each other and we as an organization re recognize the difficulties of doing this difficult job in the first place uh, under these circumstances and part b of that question is as we go forward what's it going to look like are, are people going to want to come back into the office will we continue to do work from home will we what do we do to make up for that face-to-face -face, you know sit down at a table and talk about your work in group supervision you know that those are the things we have to face going forward right 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 and this is actually a conversation i've had many times with person served or or my colleagues um this this question of like when are we going to go back when are we going to have in in office meetings again um and so you know that's something we're we're very much aware of like the need and the importance of doing that while also balancing that with the need to do it um wisely and, and to plan everything out according to the you know guidelines that we have to follow just to make sure that we're not putting anyone at, at risk um and so i've had a lot of people that that i meet with um in therapy who who do want to meet face to face ever since the beginning when all this happened like they'll ask me every so often like so when are we going to go back and it's and to me that shows me how valuable 
the connection is to be to have that in-person face-to-face connection um and so what i respond with is you know once we identify a solid plan and and once we're certain if we're ready to move forward we'll communicate that with with you and we'll set it up you know we'll try to coordinate the time but it is going to be a slow process it's going to be a phasing in slow transition and and generally speaking everyone understands they're they're very understanding and know that this is not easy <laughs> no 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 i think that's right i think it's about a balance it's a balance and you know if you ask this is the other thing about this pandemic if you ask one person um, a question about how to get through it there'll be 10 other 15 other thousand other ways to so i think we just i think you know just in summing up charles you know and thank you so much for spending a bit of time talking to us today we are uh we need to be flexible in the way that we get through this we need to listen to everybody's concerns and support everybody in the process of getting back to some sort of sort form of uh, normality so thank you charles i really appreciate you uh, coming on you're welcome thanks for having me charles peter thank you so much as well this has been bamsey's humanity first podcast i am chris ryan have a great rest of the day everybody